Well, welcome to the second to last session of drawing from the wellspring, but it's not because we're always drawing from Christ, amen? And, um, but in the beginning of June, we're going to look at spiritual gifts and the purpose of why God has given His church gifts, how the gifts are to be ministered, from what posture they are to be ministered from. You know, every gift that's ministered is to be ministered from sonship. From knowing you're a son, not trying to prove yourself because you're an orphan. That's a dangerous position when you minister from a gift as an orphan. But when you minister from the gift as a son, you minister from love. You know, James and John, they haven't quite discovered who they were. So with their gifting, they try to torch some people. That's what happens when you don't minister from love. When people don't do what you think they should do, you want to torch them. Jesus said, I came to save, not torch people. That's the wrong kind of fire, guys. That fire is to be in people, not to be killing people. So we need to learn all about what God has given us because a gift is powerful. And in the right hands, it does God's work. In the wrong hands, it's extremely dangerous and can have the opposite effect of why God gave the church gifts. Amen. So we need to look at all that. We need to understand, and we're going to look at the entirety of the gifts, and we're then going to pray and believe we're going to recognize gifts on our lives so then we can actually get involved and start building the house with him he uses you to build his house yeah so we don't build but the gift on our life when it's empowered and inspired and anointed by the holy spirit he builds the church through the gift on our life so um we're not going to talk about tonight we are going to get onto something really cool and um just two scriptures tonight and uh, I'm going to let them fly out of me. John 7, 37 to 39, and John 4, 7 to 30. They're going to be in the notes you're going to get. And um, the promise is water. When you look at these passages, the promise that you get is a promise of a wellspring of water. And that we can not yet know the wellspring of water, and it's a promise. So God... Every promise in him is yes and amen. He does not lie. You can count on two things, that he does not lie and he's unchangeable. So everything he says will come to pass in his time and if we are in his way. It's when we're out of his way that we don't get what's promised because we're not in an alignment to the promise. You have to be in an alignment to heaven to receive the promise. You see, it's like the, the fruit of the Spirit then it's the gifts of the Spirit, and it's the works of the Spirit equals the outcome of the Spirit. See, it's the gifts of the Spirit. It's the works, uh, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, the works of the Spirit. The common denominator is the Spirit. When you step out of alignment, you step out of alignment, so you can't expect to receive the promise because you're not in alignment to the promise. There's only one way. It's a narrow way, but it's wide once you find it. And so we're going to look at this water that we're promised because the whole thing has been about drawing from the wellspring. He is the water. He wants to wash us from the inside out. And we're going to look at two positions that sons find themselves in. And this is going to confront us, but that's okay. Is that okay? Are you okay to let love look you in the eye and share with you a reality that he knows that you might not? 
He looked at his disciples in the eyes and he said, James, you're going to deny me. And James said, no, I'm not. He said, James, you're going to deny me. And it ended up happening, didn't it? But he also said, James, you're going to go where you can't go right now. Because I'm going to walk you, James, through my alignment process. So as I take you by the hand, don't run away, James. James, you're going to want to run away. Don't run away. Stay with me because I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Even if you do me, I won't. And I'll find you and I'll hunt you down and I'll grab you. Because I'm going to get to you to where you need to get to because it's already prophesied in me it's going to happen. So God has sent me to help you. How cool is that? What a promise is that? That we have been sent Jesus and the Spirit to fulfill all that he has for us. So then we walk in an alignment. And as that happens, we receive the fullness of the reality that he says is written and spoken. Do you want everything that's in here for you? I do. Are you hungry for it? I am. Which means you have to let love look you in the eye, straight into your innermost being, and share with you why you may not be in what you think you're in. You have to stand knowing you are loved, knowing you are covered, knowing you cannot lose him, just in his presence, with all confidence in his presence, and go, Father, I know you love me, so show me where I'm at so I can come into the fullness of what you say is possible. Because if my heart is out of alignment or my mind is out of alignment, I'm going to always be a go to you. I'm going to be a stumbling block to you. You and I can be stumbling blocks to Christ. Peter was a stumbling block, but he didn't finish as a stumbling block. But he could have stayed as a stumbling block if he had not allowed Jesus to lead him and guide him, even when he didn't even know he was being led and guided. Isn't that cool? No, I'm not going to do this. Why can't I go? Okay, you have no idea what I'm doing. Come with me into Gethsemane. Bring your sword with you. I'm setting you up for a win. Can you hear that? God sets us up for wins. Times it doesn't necessarily feel like a win when your whole world feels like it's falling apart because you're not built on him, you're built on something else. So he has to break the building work that we've established, then he needs to build, then he blesses. What do you get blessed with in eternal life? Where's eternal life within you? Because that's where Jesus is establishing his kingdom. So then you have a life in you that's able to live on earth that's not earthly. It's eternal, but it's not earthly. An earthly life is a temporal life. It perishes once it dies. An eternal life lasts forever now in the future. And it's full of eternal life, which means it's full of living water that Jesus offers. Come with me to John 7. Are you ready for this? This is going to feel like a water hydrant. Just warning you. You might want to get back down the corridor somewhere so it comes out as a hose. <laughs> John seven thirty seven. Just before we go there, I'm going to read this. I would encourage you, if you haven't got one of those, to contain one of those. Eat this thing. Because the Father is fulfilling, has fulfilled, and is f- fulfilling these words. 
just want to read this to you. I saw Greg and Danielle, you were looking at this prize, this thing of a great price and value. And there was a large thorn bush between where you were standing and that incredible prize. I saw various people trying to push their way through the thorn bush. And of course, they got cut and stuff and they quit because, ouch. But then I saw the Spirit of the Lord come on you. And I saw you go up. And instead of trying to push it aside or hack at it, you just carefully and very skillfully seemed to untangle the thorns. It took a lot of patience, care and sensitivity, but eventually you were able to unravel it and pull those thorns out until there was a gap and you went through and you pursued the prize. I just pray that picture will mean something to you. The other thing I saw quite vividly actually was this well. And this well looked like it was under construction almost. That was us. So that was this church that he saw. It was a well that was getting broken down for the purpose of being built up. Even the water within it was treated. Then I saw as a result of that process, I saw the end result, and this well was wonderful to look at, and the water in it was sparkling, vibrant, and alive. It was incredible. Then I saw the purpose of it all. I saw people from this house, your leadership people in this house, putting buckets into this well, and then I saw them going to other broken down wells that had no particular, that had particularly no water in them at all, and they were pouring the water into these wells. As they did so, it was like the whole well came alive. I said, Lord, what is this all about? I believe God is in the process of doing something very unique in this house. I believe that the outcome of that process, whatever it is, and whatever God is doing in the midst, the result of it will not only be this incredible vibrancy, and yet the wall itself was strong. That tells me that there was such a contrast between the strength of the well and the vibrant life that was in it. It tells me something's going on of a combination of security, strength, and stability, which talks to me about the word of God. He is building people who house water, who release water. So John seven thirty-seven. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Do you know he stands and he cries out? He cries out for us. Have you heard his voice crying? John cried in the wilderness. Prepare the way. You see, there's something about a cry that gets your attention. When a baby cries, a parent is tuned into this cry. In fact, you even know if it's your own child or not, don't you, parents? You go, it's okay, that's not mine. (laughs) Rodney! (laughs) Jeremy, your child's crying. It's not mine. Not this time. But a parent instinctively knows the cry of its child. He's crying here. He's crying out. He's been crying out here for 10 long years. Every day, every Sunday, every discipleship group, he's crying out. Hear what the Spirit has been saying in the building of wells. Hear, I see a well in construction. I see a house and houses 
being dismantled and put back together again. So the resource, the source of life, the living water can come gushing forth from your innermost being and refresh those of dry land. The dry land is here. It's not there. It's here. This is where it's dry. This is where it's barren. Here and here. We keep looking for we're going to go refresh natural land. It's not that. It's people. God saves people. This earth is perishing. He's created a new one. He comes to save people and he gives the church water himself. So he's crying out. And then he says this, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What does it mean to come to Christ? The way Christ intends. What does that even mean to come to Christ? Does it mean just pray a simple prayer? Or is it actually every part of you hears a cry and there's something in your innermost being that connects with the cry of God and you cannot help but run? Because the substance that you've been looking for your entire life, you hear it in a cry. It's a sound. You can't see it, but you hear it. Because God doesn't have a form. But you can hear the word. He cried out, if anyone is thirsty on this earth that is sick and tired of trying to find life in nothing, if you are thirsty, if you are at the end of yourself, if you are thirsty for something you have yet to taste, come as a broken man. Come as a broken vessel. The Bible says he is with those who are crushed in spirit. Those who know their absolute need for him. Not those that ask him to do things for them, but those who know their need for him. You see, the two positions as sons is this. One, incorporated followers. They are followers that ask Jesus into their lives for what Jesus can do for their lives. And he loves you and he loves that position and he responds to it and he says, okay, I will meet you in that immature state. I love you so much. I will come and meet you in your immaturity. And that's okay because you're a child. But I do not want you to stay in that position. I want you to grow into a wholehearted, fully surrendered, completely yielded follower where you realize that you need the source of me as your entire life. No longer having me as an add-on to your life, crying out in times of trouble. And I'm so good I can't because he's good, isn't he? He is good, good, but he's good. So he wants to take you and show you who you are in him, fill you with his absolute life of water and have you living for his eternal purpose. Because when you take Romans eight twenty eight, which that song is, we miss it out on the song. It says he's good to all those who love him, who are called according to his eternal purpose. So he works all things out for people who love him and who are called called, 
come, I'm calling you, I'm calling you, come follow me. It's a direction, it's a directive, it's an invitation and it has a promise. Come follow me because I want to make you. I'm going to make you. I'm not just going to set you free. I'm going to make you free, eh, Sam? I'm going to take you and I'm going to perfect you. You may have come as an incorporated follower, as a confessing follower. That's okay. But I'm going to take that and I'm going to turn you into a wholehearted, fully committed disciple of me. A fully surrendered. Along the way, you're going to know that you don't add me on. I'm going to become your entire life because I'm going to put my wellspring of water in you. You're going to hunger and thirst for one living water and it's not natural. Because when you taste this water, man, you now have a hunger and a thirst for it. Have you discovered this yet? Natural water is okay. But compared to living water, why would you bother when living water quenches every thirst? So there's this incredible promise, come to me. Well, you've got to come like a child. What does that mean? Do I have to go back into my mother's womb again? Do I have to come like a one-year-old? You've got to come in humility. You've got to come knowing that you are not the center of your own world. You have to come knowing that the world doesn't revolve around you and your problems and your issues. You have to realize it's not about you. See, that's what happens when you go on the journey of trying to find life. You realize it's dead, 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 and you come to the end of thinking it's all about you. What about me? What about you? (laughs) It's a valid statement when you're two. It's not when you've been walking with the Lord 15 years, though. 10 years. It's I no longer live. Why? Because I came in incorporated, but now I'm a wholehearted, fully surrendered, fully yielded disciple who wants to be like the master and there's rivers of living water coming out of me because I submitted to the process of surrender and submission to love. And I no longer live, but the life I live on earth, I live in accordance to the one who died for me, raised me up, and I live by my knowledge of that one. On this earth, serving my father, my brothers and sisters, lost people, and his purposes on the earth. Want to sign up tonight? There's a run sheet outside on the door. Because you can do all this and be incorporated. You can go through forms of godliness. You can sing, pray, heal the sick, walk on water, do all the signs and wonders, and still be an incorporated follower. Because all you've done is add them on so you can lay hands on sick people. All you've done is invite them in so you can preach the gospel because you want to get everybody saved. Because you've got a gift and it needs to be outworked. You can do all that and still be an incorporated follower. And be like Peter before Acts and still deny him and deny you your love for him. Because when he comes, James, and sits right in your face and says, Hey, James, not picking on James, but... You can actually deny the power because he looks with love into your eyes and he looks straight into the spirit of your soul and he sees your heart and he sees the thing that's got your heart. He says, man, I came to bring you water. Do you want water? Yes, I do. Well, then I need to touch that thing on your heart. 
because that's the thing that's stopping you from becoming a fully surrendered, wholehearted, yielded follower. And this will take you to the end of you. And in a decision, one decision in time can catapult you from being incorporated to wholehearted. That's all it is, one decision. As simple as it is to stay here, it's as simple as to say yes and amen and all of a sudden have the Holy Spirit do a deep work of cutting that frees you from you. So he cries out, if anyone thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, we have to be fully convinced of what it says. It is written, it is spoken, it is in blood. There are so many life promises in here, but it also gives you the instruction manual for how to come into life. You don't come into life by living for you. Okay, That would be to walk the opposite way to life. You have to follow the book. One and one equals two. Submission equals life. Surrender does not equal loss, it equals life. Giving your entire life equals life. No loss. Do you believe? That's what it says. Do you and I believe it? If we don't believe, as the scripture says, guess what? You're never going to have the promise. See, the promise is conditional on you believing unconditional love got you in. But if you want the fullness of this eternal life, it's based on conditions of obedience to what is said through belief. If you don't believe it, then you're in unbelief, which is the opposite of belief. And God waits till you believe. So he shows you his goodness again and again and again, even in this incorporated state. I mean, how good is he? He actually gives you stuff you don't deserve. But for the purpose of going, man, you're so good. Not for you getting lost in you. That's what I love about what Paul shared last week about the guy that he knew was trying to rip him off. And he talked about being scammed. And I said, but we scam God all the time. You do this, I'll do that. I'll do this, you do that. Who's done that? Me. And he came through six times. I was scamming him. He's so good because he wants me to experience his goodness that I would repent. And on the sixth time I did, I got it. Who are you? Who the heck are you? You see, love created submission. And you become a wholehearted follower because you gave and give your life because you believe because he's brought you to that place. But if you don't follow the scriptures and what they've already said, man, you can't expect life because you're living anti-him. It's like eating McDonald's your entire life and every fat food and every donut and thinking you're going to look like Arnold. It's not going to happen, is it? So why do we think we can be disobedient to what is said and then receive life? You can't. So we have to believe what is said. If you're thirsty, come to me. I'm the only one that has this knowledge. My father has hidden what you need in a rock. So this water, it's hidden 
in something that you don't think it's in. (laughs) There's nothing here, man. This is a desert. Ah, wrong. No, we might as well go back because we were better off there. Wrong. Do you believe that there is water in that thing called a rock? No, that's a rock. Nothing comes out of a rock, but a rock. Wrong. Watch this. Water, come forth. Now do you believe? Well, do another one. John 6. Well, we'll believe when you do another miracle. I just fed 15,000 people. Are you going to come to me now? Or are you still going to wait for another miracle? Because it's not about the miracle. It's about your heart. So come to me because I want to give you a brand new heart. I want to take you from incorporating me into your life for me being your life. He's my life source. Colossians 3 verse 4. He is my life source. He is my bread. To not have him, might as well go. You and I can all know this place for it is a promise. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his or her innermost being will flow rivers of what? Living water. If you believe the way he instructs, fully convinced of what he says, the promise will be yours through revelation. No doubt will be when you wait upon the Lord and ask him to do that work. Aoli, stop and wait for the promise to be realized. Stop running off and trying to find it in other stuff. No, the promise is right in front of you. This is how it comes. You've got to be thirsty of something you haven't tasted. Then you've got to go to the right source called him. And he's going to give you this drink. But you must believe the way he says, as the scripture saying, which is to be fully convinced, not to be intellectually just say yes. Not going to cut it. It's a living conviction. It's not a mental agreement with scripture. It's a living conviction through the power of revelation with the scripture. Very different positions. One is of man, one is of God. So I'm fully convinced that this is for me. It says it's for me. So I say yes and amen. And I wait because from his innermost being will flow rivers, not streams, rivers of this living substance called water. So has that been fulfilled in you yet? I told you I was going to throw it in. Love was going to look you right in the eyes. And challenge and go, I love you, that is for you and I. That would be a promise to go after the way I've designed it. Not through your own ability, but to your own submission, so you can go from being a confessing follower to a fully fledged disciple who looks like the Messiah. That is the process of maturity. You need to confess him and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth to become a disciple, don't you? But you can stay right here. So a confessing follower and an incorporated follower can be exactly the same thing. They can move in signs and wonders because they have a gift on their life. And God said, here's authority given to you, just like they did. And then you can turn around and deny him. 
You can try and cut people with the sword, just like James and John did. Why? Because they only invited him in. He was not yet their power source. He was not going to be yet in them yet. Where the power which was promised in Acts was coming. Do not leave, man. Peter, now that you've gone through your crushing, be in that upper room because the crushing has prepared you for the power. So have you gone through your crushing yet? Greg, don't say about crushing. That's a horrible word. That's negative. That's condemnation. No, that's Christ and that's life. Everyone I read about had to go through the spirit of pride being crushed. Take your look. You want to be a saint of the Hebrews 11 dudes? Look at them all crushed for life. Oh, but he was crushed for our iniquities. We don't need to. Eh, wrong. Are you in this life that you then? We, all, we say all this stuff. It's just not in here because it makes us feel good. Because we don't want to go through what we need to go through to get the life. So we say, I want your life, but I don't want your process. Well, you can't have life without Christ-like process. Why do you think Jesus had to go to the cross? He didn't go, oh, sorry, God, avoiding the cross. (laughs) That's what we do, avoid the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? That is more than a prayer. Paul, I have been nailed to the cross. My flesh got nailed like Jesus' did. And now I no longer live because my flesh got nailed. And that is a message of absolute life, what you just heard then, no loss. If you're hearing loss, you are not hearing the gospel. You're hearing a counterfeit of your own gospel. If you hear anything negative about what I said, you're not hearing what I said. So don't make up and say Greg said this when Greg didn't. Don't get offended because I did not offend. I just preached the gospel. If the gospel offended you, that's something else. You've got to take that up with God because your issue was with him, not me. Thanks, bro. I'm just here to preach the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So when I stand before God, he doesn't go, what were you preaching? This message sets the church free and takes her from being incorporated to a full-on, fledged, surrendered follower who finds himself able to live and walk like Jesus is. Do you want that? I want that. I want that for you as a shepherd of this house along with the other elders. This is what we pray for. This is what we pray for on Wednesdays, that we would know who we are and how we're called to live, that we would leave this position if we find ourselves here and become this. This is the sons the world is waiting for. This is the sons that all of creation is waiting for. It's exciting, man, because there's no loss. Paul says death is gain. Man, if death is gain, what have you got to lose? Nothing. Natural water's not bad. It says this in verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were yet to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, we are 2,000 years past that point. Excuses, none. 
So we have to seek him because the way has been made. These guys, give them some slack. Spirit power had not yet been poured into them. So what you're seeing is them living from, walking with, but still struggling in their inner realm because the spirit had not yet come into them to enable them to live in the spirit. Okay? But they had the spirit with them because Jesus was with them. But there is one coming called the Holy Spirit who I'm going to send and he will live in the house. And so you can have an innermost being reality in the house, which you are houses of the Holy Spirit. And so he is to flow in and out of you as you eat everything he says. So you become a powerhouse of the word of God because it's Jesus in you, not you and you. It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory because he's being formed in you because you are partaking of him and he is this living water. And so he washes you clean from the innermost place. Where did David say he wanted truth? The innermost being because the man knew who lived there, meaning himself. So come in, crush the old man so he doesn't live, fill this vessel up with the new man in Christ so I can fulfill what you've called me to. Even David was an incorporated follower up until that point. The man killed Goliath, and then he went and murdered a man and committed adultery. Not exactly Christ-like behavior, is it? That is, that's not. Why? Because the man still had pride in his own heart. I'm talking about King David, the man who killed a bear with his hands. This guy still couldn't fulfill what was Christ-like behavior, so he has to go through his own crushing. It's a setup. God sets us up, and we fight the setup. But the setup is there for us to come into life. No, 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 that's not you, that's not you. He's going, it's me. Man, no, that's not you, Lord. Why? Because it doesn't come the way I think it's going to come. Come with me to John 4. Is this all right? Okay. We're looking at this as a staff, and man, there is so much coming out of this. You could almost say John 4 is an entire picture of the entire gospel. It has so much within it. It talks about husbands. It talks about wives. The perfect one turns up. It's talking about living water. It's talking about this one is coming. Are you it? I don't know. Maybe you're a prophet. You don't worship the right way. There is so much in one chapter of the entire gospel message contained in this alone. Woo, you ready? Okay, John 4, 7. It's all about Jesus and the woman of Samaria. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, natural resource. She comes to draw natural resource from the natural earth, the temple, okay? Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Don't you love it how the apostolic, the apostolic call, the apostle always engages with us first? While we were still in our sin, he sent his son. The apostolic always engages in the issue first. Why? Because he's got something for her. See, he sees all things. He sees her. He knows who she is. He knows she comes to the well every day that she comes to the well at the right time because he sees everything from the end, from the beginning. Why? Because he wrote the book. 
When you're the author of the book, you know the book. <laughs> you got to walk in alignment to the story. It's heaps better than trying to be a character who's not in alignment to the story. He invites, come to me, come to me. Can you hear his cry? Come to me, all who are thirsty. He comes and lands on earth. He says, hello, hello, my people. I've come for the lost tribe of Israel because they belong to me. Hello, hello, hey, don't kill me because you belong to me. Too late, whack. But he gave his life for them. See what love does? Because you're the living water. You can give your life to everything that's loveless and that actually kills you. Because what's in you is greater than what's in them. So he comes, he said, hey lady, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So right now in her head, she's living from a very natural place. But it's real, man, because Jews don't talk to Samaritans, number one. Two, a man does not talk to a woman, number three, or four, whatever I'm up to. (laughs) And there's this other reality going on where he's engaging with her. What you've got is two kingdoms colliding. You've got the heavenly kingdom colliding with the natural kingdom. You've got the man who is the apostle, the high priest of God on earth in the flesh saying, Hi, Chris. How you doing? I know your life inside out. I know it better than you. Come over here. I got a drink for you. And he invites. Come follow me. He invites. What are you doing with your invitation? Did you know you're invited to a wedding? Your own? The day you received him, you were invited to your own wedding. Are you going to be there? Who was that place? That was Simnoi. He never turned up. He never realized. He was never getting ready. That would be a crying shame to miss your own wedding, wouldn't it not? So he says, give me a drink. How is it that you ask me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living water. If you knew. If you had Gnosko. If you knew intimately. If you, lady, had a knowledge of who I was, you would be asking for what's in me. But you don't. So you're not asking. See, we don't ask for what we don't know exists because you have no reference for it. Tonight, you're hearing of a reference for you that you may not be in, but are you going to ask for it? So he stands, the kingdom of God stands before the kingdom of the earth and says, hey, if you knew something, this would be a completely different conversation. But because you don't know, you're not asking, so I'm going to engage in your world. In the hope that you'll engage in mine. Because you're marked for my world, not this world. But because you don't have knowledge, 
you're not engaging the way we're supposed to be engaging. And you're going to start asking me about natural things when I have no interest in natural things. And I'm not talking about natural water. But you're going to ask me, where am I getting my bucket? You're going to ask me, can a man go back into his mother's womb again and be born again? And you're not going to have any reference for the kingdom that I'm from and the one that you're supposed to be from and living in. This is the church. See yourself as her. And let the Holy Spirit start to show you and teach you and guide you and show you things. Ask for what you don't even know. Say this, God, Holy Spirit, I know there are things I don't know. And because I don't know, I'm asking for what I don't know. So show me what I don't know. (gasps) Oh my goodness, now I know it. Thank you. Drink. Let him show you what you don't know. Then you'll have a thirst and an appetite for other things that you don't know. And then you'll get knowledge of things that you never used to know that now you do know. And now you will live from that and wellsprings of water as the promise realized will come in you and start bubbling out of you because there is a well that the Father is building in this house and living water is to come out of it. Not for just you, not for just your house, but for other wells around this nation and the nations. Because God thinks globally, eh Vera? Not just locally or nationally. Many, many wells that are dry in the church. Struggling for life and food and other things with his name wrapped around them. So here is this apostolic confrontation between heaven and earth. If you knew the gift of who it is that asks, so you don't know the gift, you don't know the one who's asking you, he would have what? Given. Not studied, learnt, dug your own well. He would just give it to you. Is that not what it says? This is how you receive. Study it or receive it. Receive what is given. Whoa, but I'm so used to working hard to get what I've earned. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of God, he gives freely to all those who have ears to hear what he's saying. It's given by the one who has it. And it's living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? This is what I had someone here ask me. Where are you getting your living water from? What well are you drinking from? I can't find it. Where is it? I said it's in the invisible realm. His name is Jesus. He is the well. Come to me. Well, I have. Well, obviously you haven't come the way he wanted or you're still a work in process or something because come to him and you get what he says. So you have to know what it truly means of the spirit to come to him. It's not just like praying a casual prayer. It's a whole life that comes to him and cries out. Where do you get this water from? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Uh, Just a little bit. Can you hear the earth? 
Can you hear the mind of the kingdom of the wisdom of man? Trying to add this all up in its head going, this is not making sense, man. I'm trying to make sense of something I can't make sense of. We do it all the time. The word goes out, it's revealed, and we then try to understand a revealed word through an unrevealed mindset. Stop it. You're not going to understand it unless you've had your mind revealed to it. That protects you from believing a lie. You won't grasp a revealed word unless it's been revealed to you. That's why you have to receive it in your spirit because it's about an impartation of a substance that's powerful like a sword that goes, and you receive it through His power because your heart is fertile. As soon as you bring this into play, you cancel the whole deal. You can never understand God in your mind first. He doesn't let you. The Holy Spirit has to renew your mind. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher of the church primarily. Man, secondary. He has to become your teacher. 1 John 2.28, God has given you the anointing to be taught by God directly. We need to be in the Spirit to understand any of this stuff. That's why you look like Layla, our dog, we used to have. And she goes, and your brain starts to hurt, does it not? Feels like your brain's going to implode because you're trying to grab something that your brain cannot understand. Correct. Hence, I've given you the Spirit. So you've got to know what that even means. You've got to know Him. It's not just like, yeah, I prayed a prayer, bingo, away we go. No, nothing may have happened. You may have just been covered by a reality that he wants you to come into you and pierce your heart. Pierce that pride of heart. Pierce it with a sword. Oh, have you felt that yet? Oh, what's that? That's life. Doesn't feel like it. It is. It's the sword of the spirit, the double edge, and it comes to judge the thought and the attitude that's living there that's anti-Christ. And it comes to cut it, sever it, and then he comes to reattach it. So now I can live. It's all a win. And this is what he's confronted with here with this woman. So she's trying to grapple this thing. Are you greater than Jacob? There's one coming as we later look at. Well, there's a guy coming. This guy, he's coming. Hello. He's about two feet from you. No, he's coming. No, he's right in front of you. Do you know we always miss what's right in front of us? And we're always looking for what's over the other side of the fence. You know grass is grass? It ain't greener. It's grass. And God sends people to us and they live right in front of us and we miss them because that's the pattern of the word, but it's not supposed to be. Jesus had zero honor. Where? Household, hometown, relatives. Zero honor. Very little. Put that into this context. There can be zero honor here for those God has sent. We can have no honor for one another because we have no idea what is on one another. 
So we're always looking outside this house and listening to outside the house because we have no idea who we've been sent because there's zero honor. Because we're not in the spirit. We're like this woman who's looking for stuff that's irrelevant and the one in front of her says, if you knew, you'd ask, but you don't know, so you're not asking. And yet he's giving it like this. Let's not be those people. Let's not be that house, eh? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with listening to others. I listen to Todd White all the time. I'm in love with the man. The man speaks so much life. My spirit, I cry in my car at times. I yell and I scream, preach it! Come alive listening to the man. But many hate him because he says it as it is. (laughs) So there's this encounter Massive encounter happening right here. You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Natural, 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 natural. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. Another promise. Can you hear John 7? 37 to 38, he who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from their innermost being will flow. It's the same promise. So he's confronting her like John is writing about to the disciples. Same promise. But the water that I will give him, there's that word give him three times, will become In him, in the inner place, a well of water springing up to eternal life. So this eternal life, which is the substance of heaven in the church, it wells up through receiving this water, which is Christ. Where? In your vessel. You are a house that holds the presence of God and you are to be full and overflowing with the word that richly dwells, inhabits your very being. You're not to live from your flesh. You're not to live from your soul realm. Your soul realm needs to get saved by the water that is pouring out of vessels and you're to go, God saved, yeehaw, live now. Can you hear that? But do you believe that's for you? You see, sometimes we buy into our own stuff and go, well, that's my lot. And you end up worshipping your stuff. Oh, well, I'll make the most out of the rubbish I live from. No. No, he wants to come and completely wash that house from top to bottom, bottom to top, inside out, spin you around and create you a polished, spotless bride who lives and knows because the water you're receiving is no longer this stuff. Man cannot live on this stuff, guys. What are you living on? See, you've got to go asking and seeking what is in the unseen because he wants yielded, fully surrendered, wholehearted, devoted followers. And their only singular purpose is the will of God. Greg, you're so extreme. You're too extreme. You're too full on. I'm just trying to be a Christ-like follower. But this is what I've heard. This is what we say. Can you not have any other conversations? Yeah, but you know what? They're empty. 
but I can. But I want to have real conversations. I want to eat real food. So this is cool. This is okay. But I can't live on it. I can't live on the stuff. It's got no life in it. So where am I found? And what am I found eating? So he comes. The woman said to him, this is where it gets real good. Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Now, this is a great response. This is an amazing response. She's staying in the process with him. See, she's not run away from here. She's actually following him, and he's about to drop a bomb. (laughs) He's leading her where he's about to drop the bomb. And then he says this, go call your husband and come here. What are you talking about? Now you've shifted again. We're talking about water. Now we're talking about my husband. He says, yeah, there's a problem. And because I know all the heart issues and I see into the heart, I know what the real issue is here. You don't. You see, you're looking for a spiritual solution in a temporal way. You're trying to fill a spiritual reality through the flesh, and it never, ever satisfies. And you will always be left wanting and desiring the thing. So you go from thing to thing to thing, from relationship to relationship to relationship, from job to job to job, from travel to travel, searching for the thing that's spiritual in the natural. And you never find it. And he's here today, he says, lady, today is the day that I set you free from yourself. If you will choose this living water, and if you will allow the apostle to do a work within your innermost being, so don't run. And what I love about her is this God, there's something happening in her because she actually is honest. (laughs) Funny that? She doesn't go, I'm okay. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Just run away. I'm good. No, no, she actually is honest. She obviously wants this thing that she's sort of hearing about but doesn't know what it is. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. (laughs) She was getting through them. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. She's honest. She states where her true heart is. Do you know that's what we need to do if you truly want to receive living water? You have to get honest. You can't lie to God. You might lie to me. You might lie to those you're walking with, but you can't lie to God. He sees everything. He's seeing her heart. That's why he's leading her to this point. He's talking about water. He engages in a way that she can understand. Then he's about to flip it and lead it to the real issue of life. This is what he does for us. He divinely hoodwinks you into things. And then he says, right, now that I've got you here, now I'm really going to deal with the issues of your heart because hopefully you're not going to run away. 
And I'm going to pinpoint the thing that's actually holding you back from this living water because I have a promise for you of living water and it's to fulfill every part of your vessel and come out. But while you have idols, while you have other gods in your heart, I can't share my glory with you. You don't love me with all. You love me with part and you love this more than. You actually love yourself. Because yourself hasn't yet got crushed. It may have fallen on the rock and got chipped or cracked, but then you got some glue and you glued yourself back together so self could live. So you can't deny you. And you can't love God the way you're intended, but you can heal the sick because you have a gifting. And you can walk on water and you can preach and you can do works and you can do all these works, but you can't because you're incorporated, you're not surrendered. And this is an opportunity right here for this woman. It's an opportunity. How many opportunities are you going to get to completely surrender your life? How many? Well, he's always going to come, but are you going to say yes or no? Tonight's an opportunity to surrender your life. But you know what it does? It puts the microscope on your heart, and every time he addresses the heart, there's silence like there is now. (laughs) You can hear a pin drop. When God goes to the issues of the heart, because that's where transformation is, there's silence. And the weight of what is being declared comes upon us, does it not? It has to. It's the Word of God. Do you think of the Word rose him, the power of God rose him from the grave? He was dead. Then it's going to be powerful. It's going to confront you. It's going to come in front of you and say, I love you for the purpose of transformation. Now submit to me, and this is how this relationship works. I promise to love you. You need to promise to surrender to me. That is the design of heaven. If we're not surrendered, how can we receive the word? It doesn't mean he doesn't love us, but we can't receive because we're saying no. We're denying him, the power of God, to change us. We say no. He goes, okay. So he takes a step back because he's a gentleman. He's what? He's a comforter. He actually works with us. If you say no, he will respect your decision. But say yes. Don't say no, because it's life, not loss. But she's being confronted. The rich young ruler said, I'm out of here. You've touched on me, my little G God. It wasn't his money. It was himself. We get in the way. And just like Peter, who couldn't actually say no. Sorry, he denied Christ. He said he wouldn't, and he did. Because Peter was still living. Don't... Be like the old Peter. Be like the new Peter. She then says this, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, sort of, but a bit more. But yes, I am the prophet. I'm the high priest prophet and the apostle. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming. When neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You will worship what you you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Salvation comes from the Jews. Do you know you can worship a God you don't really know? But you know about? 
So you have a knowledge about that enables you to be present, but not necessarily presently present. You have a knowledge about that enables you to be an incorporated follower, but not a fully surrendered follower. So you worship what you don't know. The knowledge of God creates true authentic worship at the laying down of one's life. So true worship is the giving of your entire life, is it not? In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When you realize God is the provider of the source of your life because you've laid your life down, no longer trying to live for your life and find source for your life. That's what true worship is. It's the giving of your life to discover that God is the provider of life. Not the old life, the brand new life, that he is the source of your life. Abraham discovered God was the provider of the sacrifice for the son. Who provides your life? You, someone else, or is he the source of your entire life? Because you're not incorporating him into your life. You are wholeheartedly, fully yielded unto God, and without his life, you're stuffed. Many, few, many say to me, few, a whole lot sit here in the church. It's a lukewarm possibly position, sort of maybe not as full, bit of hot, but still sun, still loved, but this is radiant heat. So we have a choice as to whether we want to be so-so, that's okay or whether you want to be radiant hot with life bubbling up as a wellspring. There's so much more, but I feel I'm just going to call it a day. I'm hoping we've got the point. I'd encourage you to keep going in this because there's so much here. True worshippers. Do you know there's an order to true worship? Spirit and truth. Do you know there are two counterfeit positions? Flesh and truth, spirit and flesh. If you're not born of the spirit, you may be covered by God, but you're not born. So you're going to try and you're going to live from your flesh and your flesh will determine truth. So you're not born again of the spirit. So you're not spirit and flesh, you're flesh and truth. That's why you need to get born again. But you can be born again and then live from your flesh. So your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak because your flesh, meaning your flesh, your physical body is weak. It can't do what it needs to do. Okay? But you can be born again of the spirit and live from your soul realm, your mind, your will, and your emotion. Well, neither one of those positions are true worshipers because the Father seeks worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. So the Spirit has to define the truth. It is the Spirit of truth. So this is who the Father seeks. So it says, seek first the kingdom, spiritual kingdom, and the one of the kingdom who's spirit, and he's truth, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the Father is seeking those people who are seeking his kingdom. And when they meet, you become a worshiper who worships in spirit and truth. The woman knew of a Messiah coming. Okay, it actually says here the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called the Christ. She has truth. What doesn't she have? Spirit. But she knows. Then he says this 
It's me. Hello. Then she says this. Come see a man who told me all things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? Can you hear? This is us. The Word of God is right in front of her. She has a knowledge about. She has this truth about a Messiah coming, but she's got no reference for it. Are you a prophet? You've, you've, you've said some things that no one else knows. So she's got this knowledge about. You can have a knowledge about as an incorporated foreigner. Let me tell you, everything I know about him, I just don't know him. So she knows about him because she's worshipping a God she doesn't even know. But the God of the universe is on the earth waiting to give her living water. And if you knew, you would ask, so I'm engaging in your life because I'm desperate for you to become who I've predestined you to be. So then he takes a step back and she says those words to him, the Messiah's coming. Those who worship in spirit and truth recognize the Messiah. They recognize the truth. They hear the truth when it's declared because they're worshiping in the word that's given, which is worship in spirit and truth. When they're told this is the truth, they don't go, oh, maybe, because they've had it revealed. Now, there is a position for seeking that. Hear the difference. There is a position for going, oh, whoa, like tonight. There is a position for not being in what I've said, but going, whoa, that's a promise for me. Then are you going to go after it with all you've got? Or in five minutes, you've switched off because now it's my time and I want to go home and watch whatever's on the telly. Nothing wrong with watching the telly, but what are you going to do about what you've just heard? And if it's nothing, that's okay. But don't expect the full life and the promises that are yes and amen if you're not prepared to live the life that we're called for. And that is not just a confessing follower. It is someone, I want to be a disciple of my master. I want to look, sound, breathe like the one who bought and paid for me. Why? So I can glorify him. That's the number one reason that my life would bring glory to the one who bought and paid for me. Two, that I can receive and walk out the manner in which he walked, that I would become a letter that others would read and encourage others that all things are possible when you are in Christ, whether that's a non-Christian or a Christian. They can see a life and go, you are in something I'm not. What is it? Share the gospel. And then see a lost world glorified. So I see my father honored. I see the church become who the scriptures say she's to be and become. Not my version of them. The fact that we are called to be one so a lost world see God in us is I believe that's possible. I'm crazy enough to believe that's, I know that's what he's doing here, wants to do here. Whether we get on board or not, it's another matter. That's what he wants to do. He wants to build a church that's one that a lost world know and see him in us because we're fully surrendered. We're here. We're not there. And then a lost world come running. The greatest evangelistical strategy is not preaching. It's living the gospel. It's being and becoming the expression of God. You won't be able to not share. But when you're empty trying to share, they smell a rat. Doesn't mean what you're saying is not true. But they go, yeah, I've watched your life and it doesn't stack up, man. 
So there's an offer of living water on the table. I can't give it. The person beside you can't give it. But there is one who can. And so he asks, do you want it? And are you prepared to do whatever it takes, even if it means giving up all things? Will you? Are you prepared to give up what's currently stopping and blocking it? Have a look at your life. Have a look at how much time you spent on things, and you'll know what you love. Have a look at your relationship with him, how much time you spent, and it's a real simple process. You'll have identified what you need to repent of and ask him to come and smash it. Be like the woman who stayed in process, who acknowledged the fact that she actually had five husbands. The sixth one wasn't her husband, but who was the seventh guy on the scene? What's seven mean in the Hebrew? Complete. What's this whole thing about? A marriage covenant? Hey, lady, do you want to marry me today? You've been looking for it in all the natural, and the spiritual guy just turned up. Well, you were predestined to marry this guy. Do you want to marry me? Come to me. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray as we engage in questions, and you'll speak, and as we engage with you, Tonight and as we leave home, Holy Spirit, man, this is so big and it's so for us and it's your living word that will take us from living for ourselves and to be wholeheartedly abandoned, surrendered, yielded followers of you, God, who live for your will, full stop. And in that, find life. Find this life and then model it to others, our husbands, our wives, our children, our friends, our neighbors, our work colleagues, our strangers, people we don't even know, would be so captivated by the light that's emanating, emanating forth from us. For we've been called to be light like you are light, called to be sons as you were a son, of the same kind, of the same seed. We once weren't, we were of the seed of, of Adam, a fallen seed, a fallen nature, but God, you came and gave us brand new DNA in the sun. You said it's now time to have the brand new DNA that was predestined for you at this particular time. Live from the new nature. Live from the brand new DNA nature of your father, not your natural father, your father. Hear the word, believe it, receive it, accept it, and let it perform a deep work in your inner being. And I prophesy rivers of living water out of every vessel here tonight. I prophesy and believe to see wells that contain an overflow of water because everyone here is being directed to the well of water, you. And they're going to ask and seek and knock and lay all things aside for the pursuit of the water that you have on offer, for you've called it a wellspring of life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome, guys. Love you heaps.